What's up, everybody? My name is Jordan Lohman, and I have the honor and privilege of uh, serving as a pastor here at United City, and I'm welcoming you to our Rhythms podcast. Uh, We've been thinking a lot about um, just rhythms and habits and disciplines during this COVID season where, uh, honestly, a lot of life around us has probably gone rogue and just felt a need to uh, continue to root ourselves in something deeper as uh, disciples and students of Jesus. So today we're going to be looking at the rhythm of work. Uh, It's a little bit funny because the last uh, Rhythms podcast I did was on Sabbath, uh, and that's actually very uh, accurate just for what's been on my mind lately. I'd say the last year, maybe 18 months, I've really thought a lot about Sabbath and slowing, resting, um, I've really honestly needed that in my own life, um, just to relinquish control of time. But over the past, I don't know, maybe six or eight weeks, have really uh, just thought about, wow, if there has to be moments in time that we set aside to Sabbath, that means there are probably larger moments of time that we are working. And uh, what is that work intended to look like? And is that work good? Um, I have a quote here by Thomas Merton that's really uh, spurred a lot of this on for me. And Thomas Merton says, all vocations are intended by God to manifest his love in the world. And I uh, heard that quote and thought, wow, all vocations are intended by God to manifest his love in the world. That means mine too, right? Um, I know with our Sabbath uh, podcast, we spend a little bit of time in Genesis, and I actually want us to spend time in Genesis today as we explore work as well. Uh, I think Genesis has a lot of gold for us here in looking at just the origin, the original intent, God's original design, um, just a lot to, to be explored here. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, I don't know if you heard me emphasizing there, but on a couple of occasions, it talks about governing over it, reigning over these things. In other translations, it says, have dominion over or subdue it, rule and subdue it. And so what we see here is God's, um, I guess, original command to work, take care of this garden that I've placed you as he creates human beings there shortly after he gives them what I see as their job description. Um, Not to mention in verse 27 when he talks about how uh, human beings are made in his own image, in the image of God he created them. The image of God there, the imago Dei. As we look at everything else that's just happened in chapter 1 before this, we see God continuing to create and work And then we see we're actually image bearers. And as image bearers, we too are to be workers. 
And, and just a few verses later or down in Genesis 2, chapter 5, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, um, we see it mentioned that there were no people to cultivate the soil or to work the ground before God created humankind. And that shows us that, yes, we were created to worship and to delight in God, but we were also created to contribute to his creation, so much so that I would say anyone who refuses to work, and when I say refuse to work, I'm referencing like slothfulness, not not having a, a paying job, because oftentimes work is not defined by getting paid. Much of the work we do in life is outside of paying jobs, but anyone who refuses to work, I would say, is a fundamental violation of God's creation design for humankind. He intended for us to work. And if you refuse to do that, if you refuse to participate in working, in cultivating the soil, then I would say you're violating God's creation design for us. Every day we face the reality that the work that we have, whether it's our tangible work, our co-workers, our workplaces, that they are not as God originally designed them to be. And that's because just a few verses later in Genesis 3, the fall happens where sin enters the world through Adam and Eve partaking of the fruit of a tree that they were not intended to take of. And we feel the weight of that now. Uh, we see work going from a blessing to suddenly a curse, uh, an opportunity to suddenly toiling. And we feel that deeply, I'm sure, on a daily basis. And my hope is that through our conversation, you will have perhaps a hopeful glimpse of what work was originally designed to be. Now, uh, if you have connections to a church, whether you grew up in a church or active in a church now, you may have heard this phrase, uh, being called to the ministry. I feel called to the ministry or I received my call to the ministry. Um, I personally wish we could either eradicate that phrase altogether or at least redefine it because uh, I believe we're all called to the ministry. As believers and disciples of Jesus, we are all called to full-time Christian work. We are called to do good work well for the glory of God, regardless of our specific vocation. So the next time somebody tries to use that phrase or ask you about that, uh, I want you to challenge them and say, you're called to ministry too. You are called to full-time Christian work. And, and I think in our world, we're caught in what's known as separatism, or we act as what's known as separatist. We're we separate and segment these portions of our lives. Uh, perhaps we have like our church work and then we have our secular work. Uh, perhaps we have our church friends and then our secular friends. No, no, no. We, we are not intended to separate those uh, sections and silo off our lives. Jesus is Lord over our life in its entirety. So we just have work and we just have friends. They're not to be seg segmented or augmented into these two separate corners. And I would say the reality is there is no more sacred space than the workplace. God has called you to serve him as you serve the common good. Your workplace is a sacred place. That is sacred work. You are doing ministry as you work, or at least you should be. Can I get an amen? 
In the gospel story, I would say there are four main parts. The God story, there's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And in Genesis, we just explored kind of briefly creation of everything, the fall where sin enters the world, redemption uh, references uh, Jesus Christ himself, his death, burial, and resurrection, and all that that encompasses. And then lastly, restoration, uh, which is talked about in uh, Revelation 21 and really all throughout scripture. But Revelation 21 references the new Jerusalem, which is this garden-like city that's going to come down from heaven onto earth and everything will be restored. Um, And in in those four parts, I think the most exciting part to me about this conversation is how you do your work matters now, absolutely. But how you do your work also matters for the future because we are contributing to that new Jerusalem. We are contributing to that restoration. Everything that takes place between Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the new Jerusalem has the opportunity to contribute to that restoration. That's what we are working towards. We are living in redemption now, working towards restoration. 2 Peter 3.10 says the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. 1 Corinthians 3.13 talks about how on the day of the Lord, the work each one of us has done will be tested. That means we will account for our work. Your vocation is to improve the world around you. You are meant to repair the brokenness around you through that vocation. You are to help the world inch closer to the way things are meant to be until the day when things are once again made whole, when they are restored. And when we look at our time and how it's spent, such a large portion of our daily lives go towards work. And if we are meant to steward all that the Lord has given us, then we are meant to steward our time and we are meant to steward our time as we work. And I know I'm I'm talking about how your vocation is meant to improve the world around you and repair the brokenness around you and inch closer towards the way things are intended to be. And, And you're looking at your job or you're looking at your schoolwork or you're looking at your household chores and you're thinking, what in the world? But I want to remind you that the Jesus that we follow and center our lives around, he was a carpenter. He held an everyday, mundane, Joe Blow job too. Dallas Willard actually has, I think, a really neat quote about this that really puts it in perspective, uh, speaking of Jesus as a carpenter. He says, if he were to come today as he did then, he could carry out his mission through most any decent and useful occupation. He could be a clerk or accountant in a hardware store, a computer repairman, a banker, an editor, doctor, waiter, teacher, farmhand, lab technician, or construction worker. He could run a household cleaning service or repair automobiles. In other words, if he were to come today, he could very well do what you do. He could very well live in your apartment or house, hold down your job, have your education and life prospects, and live with your family surroundings and time. None of this would be the least bit hindrance to the eternal kind of life that was his by nature and becomes available to us through him. 
none of those average mundane Joe Blow occupations would be a hindrance to Jesus and they aren't a hindrance to us either. Our mission, his mission is carried out through us and through those jobs. Work absolutely has an economic benefit. We see the economy continuing to to turn and operate as we contribute to it. Uh, I would also say it's a platform for ministry. My work is absolutely a mission field for me. But most importantly, I would say our work provides an opportunity to worship through a lifestyle of God-honoring vocational holiness a lifestyle of God-honoring vocational holiness. So our work, our everyday, boring, mundane, dirty work is just another aspect of our lives for Jesus to reign as Lord. Is he Lord over your life? Then he's Lord over your work. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to positively influence a workplace culture that better promotes human flourishing synergistic teamwork, and the common good. The Holy Spirit empowers us to influence our workplace in those ways, promoting human flourishing, promoting teamwork and synergy in a holistic way, and promoting the common good. As I was thinking through practices this week of how to implement this rhythm, I laughed because I don't really know that we can escape work. So you're naturally going to practice work. But when you do so, I want you to think about contributing to the common good. See every opportunity to work as an assignment. So as you work, I have three things that I want you to remember here. Number one, we witness by our words and by our work. Your work is a testimony to the Lord and of the Lord. So when you're cutting corners, when you're halfway doing it, just know that we witness by our words and by our work. Number two, I want you to remember that we are to be God's redemptive agents in the world everywhere we go, and this includes our work. Oftentimes, we talk about being on mission where we live, work, and play. Where we work matters, and you are God's redemptive agent in those spaces. And lastly, you are a translator in your workplace. Now, I know you might not have multiple languages that you speak, but you are translating the gospel in, I would say, concrete and tangible ways for the coworkers around you. They are seeing you. They are experiencing the gospel because you are not segmenting your life. You are not separating it. Lord is Lord over your life, and that includes your work and your coworkers, your classmates, your family family, your neighbors, whoever encounters you in your work is going to experience the gospel through your translation of it. Be encouraged, be blessed, and go work. 